Welcome to the Energy Environment Economy Podcast, a production of the Environmental Business Council of New England. I'm Ann Geisinger, Executive Director at EBC, and your host for today's episode. Here at Energy Environment Economy, we talk all about the business of the environment, from remediation to solid waste management, so water resources, wastewater, sustainability, the list goes on. And today's episode is part two of our two-part ESG discussion with Dr. Matthew Gardner, founding and managing partner of SustainServe, and Christina Mendoza, a senior consultant also with SustainServe. And she is the chair of UBC's Ascending Professionals Committee. And we we started out last week um, with sort of talking about ESG as, as a sector and all about ESG. Um, and so maybe if the two of you could just briefly introduce yourselves. Welcome back to the podcast. Great. Thanks, Sam. Pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Matthew Gardner. I'm a, a founder and managing partner at SustainServe. We're a 28-person ESG consultancy based here in Boston, where Christina and I sit. Um, I have an office in Zurich, Switzerland, one in Frankfurt, Germany, and an office in Nashville, Tennessee. And Christina Mendoza joining here as well, also from SustainServe. Uh, eight years experience in the environmental engineering and sustainability space and rounding out about two and a half years at SustainServe. So we got a great primer on ESG in uh, the first episode, but just for anybody new who's joining and who's not going to have the time to go back, we'll just do a very brief review on what ESG is. But maybe, uh, Christina, you could just take a minute, define some terms for us. <laughs> yes, of course. Happy to. So ESG, starting point, environmental, social, governance. But how we touched on before, it's really just sustainability, uh, corporate social responsibility, CSR, um, corporate citizenship. There's all these names to even just define it, but it's really just operating your organization in a way that's going to touch upon each of those topics, environmental, social, and governance, and employ those practices to ultimately mitigate risk, create value for your organization, create value for the people that are interested and the stakeholders that are interested in the environment, uh, your employees and such, and just operating in a way that employs those each day. And um, we also kind of honed in a little bit on on the factors that are facing New England. I don't know, Matt, if you want to touch on just a couple of those, maybe briefly on the New England market and, and what's facing facing our region here. Yeah, New England's home to a you know rich diversity of companies, um, you know, large Fortune 500 companies, tech startups out on the 128 belt or, you know, really in every nook and cranny of New England, there's there's startups of various kinds, companies that are major customers, kind of top of the heap, you know, end users of things, co- uh, companies that are suppliers to are, you know, tier one, tier two, tier X suppliers to major corporations. Everyone is facing pressure to be thinking about environmental, social governance related issues. You know, everyone is facing pressure to be acting in a responsible, ethical, environmentally friendly way in different ways. And our challenge, the challenge for those companies to figure out, okay, what do we need to do? How do we do this? What people do we need in place to be able to do this in an effective way? You know, that's the challenge. That's what we're talking about here today. That's great. So if you want more detail, go listen to part one that we uh, published last week. You know, as the regulations become more widespread, as there's more pressure for it, I think every company is going to face that pressure to up their ESG game. So check out part one, learn more. We'll get more into Matt and Christina's backgrounds too. But really today we want to focus on careers in the sustainability ESG space. I think that there's a lot of students out there 
wondering about the space, interested in the space, energized by potentially joining in the sustainability world, but don't really know where to start. It feels very nebulous, um, this kind of weird black box of like sustainability means so many things. So let's talk about that today and get more into that subject matter for the, the students out there and others who are looking to make a career change. So I'm sure there are ESG roles in companies. There's ESG roles in academia. Municipalities might have a sustainability coordinator, but are they similar? Are they different? You know, what what are those roles about for those different uh, companies, Matt? Yeah, so so twenty years ago when we when we started Sustain Surf, you know, the sustainability professionals mostly, and this is my observation, but you know, were largely drawn from the environment, health, and safety, you know, community. Um, the heads of EH and S were told, hey, you know, go do greenhouse gas inventories for the company. Someone's asking for it. And so a lot of the a lot of the early kind of leaders in the in the ESG space within companies um, came from the EHNS space or similar kinds of kinds of roles. Now um, in in companies in the academic world in cities and towns across New England, there are kind of you know, directors of sustainability, and I'll use the term sustainability and, and ESG fairly interchangeably here. You know, and there's there's a lot of parallels between those different kinds of roles, but there's certainly some differences as well. I mean, within organizations, within companies, um, you know, people who are in ESG roles, you know, need to be team leaders. You know, they need to know how to build groups of people and cheerlead and get groups of people in line behind them, helping them do stuff um, and, and interact with each other where maybe they didn't interact before. You know, it's one of the really interesting things in our work is that, you know, we'll sometimes convene meetings where the head of finance is now talking to the head of HR to the and is and is talking to the head of environment, health and safety and is talking to the head of supply chain about climate change, um, you know, and kind of realizing that climate change touches all of those roles, but in different ways. So a, a head of sustainability in a company needs to be someone who's a convener and can can gather these people together and make the case for why they need to be interacting with each other. Um, so that's that's one one kind of role there. Um, in the academic world, colleges and universities, you know, their their customers, their their constituents are young people. Young people care about this stuff. The data is is absolutely clear on that. Um, and you know, as they are preparing young people for careers in, you know, STEM areas or in the humanities or whatever. Uh, they're recognizing that they need to be educating these kids about this stuff so that they're prepared and you know ready to to jump into the marketplace with a skill set in hand so that they can contribute that to their future employers. And so, you know, it's it's both from an educational perspective, so having course content and information and materials that the students can learn it, but it's also walking the talk. You know, if a college and university is out there talking about sustainability and climate change and all that. Well, then they should be operating themselves in the same way. And so I see heads of ESG or heads of sustainability in the, in the academic sector as being both people who can transcend the operational um, side of things, you know, the buildings and the facilities and the infrastructure side of things, but also interacting with with the faculty um, to, to help them incorporate some of this content into their into their um, into their coursework. And then cities and towns, you know, there are a lot of cities and towns are hiring heads of sustainability areas um, into their into their organizations. And it's it's fascinating work. You know, it, it takes, um, you know, the the opportunity there is that um, someone who's in that kind of role in a, in a municipality 
has the opportunity to make a tremendous impact across a large geographic area, impacting tens of thousands of people, if not more, and, you know, helping their community be more sustainable, however you define it there. Back to our conversation last week about materiality and what's important, you know, and so it's really exciting. And I know some really talented, really impactful heads of sustainability in the cities and towns across New England. At the same time, one of the real challenges there is that you're working in what is intrinsically a political environment. And so the leadership in these communities may change every two or four years. Um, there are political pressures out there, you know, and depending on if it's a partisan election process, you know, there could be that kind of stuff going on in the background where one party cares about climate change, another party might not, you know. And so, you know, you have to be a person who can ride through or above that stuff and keep doing with what you're doing and, you know, and be ready to respond to different masters, if you will. You know, I mean, your boss is going to be the elected officials of the of the of the municipality or the select board or the city council or the mayor, um, you know, and so you need to be able to collaborate with these folks in different ways. So, you know, each of these roles has, you know, great opportunities and really exciting things about it. And they all, they all come with interesting challenges as well. And so when I'm talking to students about careers in this, you know, I outlined that and it's, uh, you know, it really depends on who you are as a person and what kind of environment works for you. That's a good segue, I think, to Christina. I mean, there's there's a certain level of skill set here that would work best um, for these kinds of roles. And Matt touched on convener is is a main thing that what you do. So what are some of the other skills here that we are looking for in a really, you know, great sustainability lead for a company or a municipality or academia? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the skills definitely transcend the exact role because it's spanning so many topics, environmental, social governance, and you do have to be working with so many different departments. So, I mean, top of that line, like we've talked about, it's people skills. Can you also be flexible? Because you're not necessarily the boss of all these people that you have to get information from and collaborate with. And so how can you kind of create a fle uh, a flexible ask to them so that they can get you what you need uh, and you can continue to do your work. A little bit more tangible and something we've touched upon is, is the math skills, the data skills, that there's a lot of kind of the environmental side, but there's also a lot of human resource data and some kind of adjustments of those data so that you can uh, understand the trends there. And so being able to to have those skills is key. And on the flip side, are you going to be involved in writing your annual sustainability report or your blog posts about sustainability efforts that your organization is doing? And can you at least get that initial uh, starting point out there? I think a really core one is creative problem solving because you don't have a exact playbook to run by. You're dealing with a number of different topics. And so you need to be able to adjust and kind of... Um, solve problems as you go. I think that kind of ties to what we've talked about in, I believe, the the first portion of this podcast, but be a good listener to all these stakeholders that you're working with so that it's not just, it doesn't just become a relationship where you're sending out these specific asks to all these different departments without really understanding what do they need from you to be able to essentially help you out and get your job done. And overall, like we've talked about, you're talking to a number of different people. You're dealing with a number of different topics. Can you juggle all of that? Can you be that 
star project manager that's going to be able to hone this all in and, and really drive progress forward. I just want to emphasize something Christina said in this, and this is a soapbox that my team hears me jump on all the time. You know, I spent many years in the academic world in graduate school when I was at MIT for, for, for 10 years. You know, I think the academic world does a brilliant job training people on STEM topics, on various kind of content and then technical issues and all that, you know, and I'm, I'm going to probably raise some hackles here, but too bad. You know, I think we're still not doing a good enough job making people or helping people become really good writers. You know, it's something that is, I find to be incredibly valuable and often hard to find is people who can combine the people skills, the STEM content, um, the problem solving, the project management, and then to be able to translate that into a tight, coherent piece of writing. Uh, that's, that's, that's hard to find sometimes. And so, you know, advice to any, any young people listening to this, you know, spend some time on the writing skills, you know, take that extra workshop, get that practice. Um, I, I find that it's really important and it, it will be very valued in whatever, um, you know, environment you run into or you find yourself in after you finish school. Following on to that thread of, of the skill sets, has anything changed over the years in terms of the sustainability professional? Has Have the roles evolved? I mean, writing is probably a skill set that has always been applicable to this position, but are there new skill sets that, you know, would be really applicable now that that maybe, you know, the sustainability professional 20 years ago wouldn't have realized was important. Yeah. Like I said, 20 years ago, you know, the the sustainability roles were not not dominated by, but there was a lot of folks coming in from the environment, health and safety field, you know, maybe from a product side of things, fairly technical. Now, what we're seeing is as companies are integrating ES and G further into their business, into their strategy, you know, we're looking for people or, you know, people who can really be strategic and understand the business implications, can bridge the gap between the things that finance and supply chain and product development and human resources are all interested in and can understand those connections and can articulate that in a clear way back to their bosses um, as to why this ESG topic that, you know, that they're thinking about is important and how it can make the company better, make their jobs easier. You know, that's how I'm seeing the roles evolve. Another area is in the in the legal realm. Um, there is an increasing complexity and requirement from a regulatory perspective here in the States with the SEC, the pending SEC rules about climate disclosures in Europe with the CSRD, the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, which is gonna which is mandating companies disclose a fairly wide variety of ESG information publicly, people who can navigate that legal landscape and translate it and figure out, you know, how does it impact the business? What do I need to be doing to respond to this in a compliant way? Um, that's really important. You know, I realize I'm kind of describing a unicorn here, but and maybe I am at the same time, you know, it's that it's a broad skill set. And, you know, different people from different academic backgrounds or different life experiences, you know, can do it. I don't you know, I don't think people need to necessarily go out and get a PhD in ESG science right now, but, you know, the job will entail a fairly broad set of responsibilities and people need to be comfortable jumping back and forth, reading up and learning about new fields almost on a daily basis or new topics on a daily basis 
that's what's going to make a really successful ESG practitioner in the future, in my opinion. And to comment on how the roles are evolving, I mean, I think that hit all the points, but just from personal experience being involved at at EDC, way back when when I first started, which feels wild to say, but about eight years ago, I'm there weren't a ton of folks specifically in the sustainability or ESG role. Um, maybe a little bit of overlap. There was a little bit of interest there, but um, a lot more kind of traditional environment engineering, which is exactly what it was meant to cater to. But in the last couple of years, I'll say just at various events and and talking with folks at at EBC events, it's infiltrating roles and it people's roles are evolving. Maybe they were in, like Matt mentioned, specifically the EHS or the energy or even purely engineering spaces. And now they're being asked to kind of expand a little bit and start thinking about these more technical topics that they've always worked on in a broader context of that that ESG or sustainability topic. So I'm excited to see that. That's been really exciting and and getting to kind of collaborate with a lot more uh, folks in, in the EBC events as well on it. It makes me think a little bit about, we're talking a lot about the main sustainability coordinator or the main director of sustainability, but are there other opportunities that are adjacent to ESG that support it? I mean, we've talked about the environmental health and safety world. Is that a place where you could go if you, I don't know, aren't a good writer, but still want to support sustainability? I don't know. <laughs> what are the other opportunities out there for, for working adjacent to sustainability? Yeah, 100%. I'll, I'll just follow up with that quickly. Um, like we talked about, sustainability and ESG spans pretty much everywhere in the company. So you have your pick, but some core ones that we're really seeing getting a bit more sophisticated and, and digging in and companies are dedicating resources, uh, I would say is the DEI space. So diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's some really cool, sophisticated programs of digging down and understanding that just a yearly training on uh, diversity and equity and inclusion is not cutting the bill and that you really need to go deeper. So there's a lot of research roles that I'm seeing evolving within some companies that are a little bit more sophisticated on this and very heavily engaged with those kind of core sustainability folks that that might be assigned at your organization. Um, another one, if you do want to stay and, and maybe stay a little bit away from some of that writing is the energy space. So um, the engineering and, and purely kind of technical spaces there, not necessarily EHS, but uh, can you can you be in the engineering space and evaluating the energy efficiency of a product that's made or a uh, component of a product and, and how to put that product together so that it's ultimately less emissive in, in the long run. Uh, and then another space too that we talked about sound legal, but with the SEC rules coming, as well as just overall pressure for this consistent transparency, the accounting space and an auditing space on top of that, we're having a lot more engagement with because the process to calculate these emissions or the process to derive this workforce data number is now needing to be audited, whether it's internal, external, uh, to whatever kind of capacity. And so those folks are now getting engaged and really... Um, kind of collaborating on a lot of different topics. I actually just met an accountant who is in that space um, at one of these <laughs> events. And I was just like approached her like, oh, you're you're with an accounting firm. Tell me about what you do. And it was just like, oh, right. There are other places that you can apply your accounting knowledge to. It was really, it's kind of fun that you just mentioned that because I just <laughs> met somebody doing that. <laughs> awesome. 
it's really both, you know, it's, it's roles across a company that, you know, touch ESG, as Christina said, you know, product designers who are focused on designing more efficient, more sustainable products. It's people who understand how to build a supply chain that takes all of these different ESG factors into account. At the same time, we're also seeing kind of very focused kind of esoteric roles evolving where you have someone whose job it is to do life cycle analysis on every product that comes off of the line or that, that, that goes into production or people who are really deeply specialized in some aspect of greenhouse gas accounting or, or whatever. So there's a lot of opportunities. It's a hot space, a lot of hiring going on there. Um, and I'm convinced that for pretty much any kind of interest, you know, field of interest or background, you know, there's a role that would probably be appealing to someone. And one more that I just, uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention it is the enterprise risk space. So enterprise risk management, a really core topic of sustainability in ESG and specifically on the climate side, this understanding on the climate side rather is understanding how these ESG risks and opportunities play in the space of your overall organizational strategy. And so a lot of times that comes from your enterprise risk management program. And being able to integrate these sustainability topics effectively into that program is is how you get that big win. It's how you have your company day to day operating, kind of walking walking the walk as well. So let's transition a little bit to what students really want to know, which is what does someone like Matt, who is a founding um, partner, principal of a company, what are you looking for when you're hiring somebody? for a role as an ESG consultant or sustainability coordinator or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I do get that question occasionally. Um, you know, we went through what the skill set is, and it really ties back to that. I mean, we're looking for people who are, you know, have great people skills, great client facers, people who are good listeners, can think on the fly, stay a step or two ahead of clients, um, you know, some math and data skills, you know, depending on the role or our specific need, maybe more, you know, um, someone who can really make it sell, sing and do all kinds of crazy things. You know, good writers, I want to emphasize that, that's huge. And good project management, you know, the ability, as Christina said earlier, to juggle a lot of different things in parallel, to prioritize, you know, the, the various tasks. I mean, most consultancies, you know, you will be on two or three or four or five projects at any given point in time. You know, which one needs your attention today? And, you know, which client needs hands-on, very active management? Which ones are more laid back and, you know, are, are okay just kind of letting you do your work and then coming back and giving them an, an update? You know, it's those kinds of skills and adaptability and, and intuitiveness that I, my experience makes a really great consultant there. I mean, ultimately, you know, a consultant is, a, is in the professional services industry. I mean, our job is to provide service back to our clients. And so, you know, someone who can really manage those relationships are, um, are important. You know, that's a very important skill set as well. So, you know, it's not necessarily someone who has a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in sustainable business. That certainly doesn't hurt. But if I see someone who's got a really, you know, a strong technical background, is a good writer, you know, maybe has done an internship, has been proactive in volunteer opportunities, maybe doing a greenhouse gas inventory for their community where they live. Um, that's all appealing stuff, you know, and and so I'd encourage people to get out there and be proactive, look for opportunities to help out 
if you're in a company and you want to do a, a lateral move into the ESG department, if there is one, um, you know, figure out, is there an ESG committee that, that you can join and participate in so you can learn about what they're doing? Because, you know, oftentimes these ESG committees or people who manage these committees are looking for engaged people to jump in and to provide, you know, provide feedback and input and then support on this. So really be proactive, get out there, look around, um, network like crazy. I mean, I tell all my students, you know, networking gets you everywhere. LinkedIn is a great tool, but, you know, call people up and say, hey, you know, could I take you out for a cup of coffee? I'd love to learn about what you do. Um, do that. You know, if I see a resume come across my desk and it's someone who reached out to me six months earlier saying, hey, let's get a coffee. And I know that person, you know, I'll give that person, a, you know, an extra look. And so, so, you know, that's just basic job hunting kinds of kinds of skills. But really, you know, I encourage you to do that across the board in, in this kind of job search, especially because there's there are a lot of opportunities, but there's also a lot of people interested in getting into the space. So you want to differentiate yourselves from your competition. That's um, great. I love the focus on you don't have to have a degree in sustainability, but you can show that you are interested by volunteering for your town's greenhouse gas emissions, you know, uh, uh, quantification or taking on a, a, a role on a board of something, or you just showing your interest in other ways and showing that you're engaged in other ways can be plenty for your resume. It doesn't have to be that you have a degree specific to, um, to this industry. You've both worked in the field for a little while or a long while, depending. Um, what, Christina, is the best part of this field that so far for you and what is the hardest part for you? And then we'll ask Matt. So, I mean, in the field in general, you genuinely do feel a connection to having a bigger impact. I can't imagine waking up every day and kind of just work every day and it not being kind of for this bigger purpose, whether you lose sight of that um, on the day-to-day -day when you're arm deep in, in calculations or writing a report or just trying to, to solve a, an issue. Um, but yeah, it really is an inspiring space to be in and really exciting like we've talked about it's not set in stone there's evolution and you have to be learning and keeping up with it every day on the consulting side you get the exposure to a number of different industries and you get to learn how those industries operate you get a little bit of tidbit tidbit of different company cultures and you also get to work specifically with those number of various different companies on these esg topics to have that broader impact so for me, that's kind of the best, really kind of what I get from from this role and this job. Um, switching to the hardest side, I mean, we talked about all these topics. There's a ton going on. There's tons of information to keep up with. It can be a lot to keep up with it. And if, like I think Matt mentioned, if you if that doesn't excite you to be constantly kind of on your toes and not have the answer to everything all the time and and be come to terms with um, needing to go research each time a new kind of topic comes out. Definitely not that I wouldn't recommend, but, you know, get get familiar with it and get comfortable with it. I think on that note as well, it it's not cut and dry. You're constantly making a customized approach uh, to ESG and to sustainability programs from the consulting perspective. And so sometimes it can be a little frustrating of, oh, I just built this for another company and I've got to do that from another slightly different angle. But I mean, the flip side, that's a really fun learning opportunity too. I think for me, you know, I am every every day pretty much, I 
you know, I count my blessings to be working in an industry that that I really care about, that I think matters. I mean, I love I love the content of what we do. Um, you know, I'm a scientist by training, but you know, this gives me exposure to a whole bunch of different topics, a whole bunch of different industries. I and mean, I love learning about the pharma industry, about the consumer electronics industry, about retail, about financial services. Um, you know, and so for someone, you know, someone who just likes to learn about a lot of different stuff, that's, um, that's wonderful. And I really, I really enjoy doing that. One of my favorite things to do, and this was more, more, uh, prevalent pre COVID was to go do site visits to, to various you know, locations to go see how a major shipping and logistics facility works or to go into a pharma, you know, R and D facility and to look at, you know, the research labs, you know, I'm a chemist, so I enjoy that stuff anyway. Um, you know, to go look at the data center for a major, major financial services company. You know, that's really cool. And it's great just to get a behind the scenes view as to how, how different companies, different industries work there. Um, you know, I think this, just to, to, to stay on the best part, you know, I've got a here in Boston and across the sustained serve world, we've got a great team of people, you know, that really fit the bill for all the skill sets that we've talked about. Um, uh, it's a really diverse, interesting, smart, engaged, talented group of people. And, you know, and it's it, it um, that too is a blessing that I, that I'm thankful for every day. In terms of the hardest part, you know, it's, it's, it's the professional services business. You know, you're dealing with, with clients who are under pressure themselves to be doing stuff. And so that pressure sometimes gets translated over to you as the service provider. Um, and that sometimes can get, it can get stressful. There are periods of time, there are, you know, various times of the year when we're just slammed busy. I mean, we're fortunate to be slammed busy all the time, but there's times when it's pretty intense. And you need to kind of be able to compartmentalize that. Um, you know, the other one's going to sound a little bit funny, but it, but it's true. I've, I've thought a lot about it. You know, I love this content. I love talking about it. I love meeting the people and building relationships with people around this information and sharing what I know. I hate that it has to turn into money at some point, you know, and that, you know, it's always got to be monetized somehow, but that's how we pay paychecks. That's how we make money. That's how we keep the lights on. Um, you know, if that wasn't an issue, I'd do this stuff anyway, because I just like the content I like talking about. And I love the people that I meet every day as as part of it. Um, so, yeah, it's a hard part, but it's worth it because it's, um, you know, I feel that it's really meaningful. That is great. And I think that's a really great point to leave on. It's it's a meaningful it's a meaningful career where you're going to feel really good about the work that you're doing every day. Not that you don't know other career fields, but it's a nice uh, perk of working in this field. So to wrap up, I asked all of my guests to just tell me a little bit, a little tidbit. What is capturing your attention this week? It can be anything. Matt, why don't you go first? One is um, the rapidly evolving regulatory landscape. You know, every day there's now there's just new evolutions, new new information, new stuff coming out. And our job is to stay on top of it. And it's complicated, um, but it is something that I'm spending a lot of time, a lot of time thinking about. Kind of on a more personal note, you know, one of my side activities is I'm on the board of um, of a project that has a big campus in Tanzania that is an orphanage, a school, health clinics um, for a community there, a fairly impoverished community there. And we've got a wonderful team of people in place there. And recently we found out that the director or Tanzanian director of the school, um, he, he died recently. And so we're in the process right now of really, you know, building the sustainability of this program and, you know, and making sure that this, this program keeps operating in the way that it's, that it's meant to. And to his credit, 
you know, maybe to our credit a little bit, you know, we've um, built a very resilient structure over there. And so we're going to be keeping this project going and keeping the legacy of, of Williams, the founder's name, keeping his legacy going, you know, and we're very confident in that. So I'm spending a lot of time thinking about that. And, you know, again, just being thankful for what we've built, what we have, the work that we do, because, um, you know, in corporations here in the U.S., but also in for a village in Tanzania, we're really making a difference. And our job is to keep that going. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. You, it sounds like you've probably lost a friend there. So it's, that's that's really sad. Um, Christina, what is the thing that's capturing your attention this week? Sure. So I think related to this kind of ESG topic, it's been it looks like it's been a really interesting so far an intense storm season just kind of across the globe and day after day just the new news of wildfires or hurricanes or typhoons or heat waves and it just seems like one after another and you can't ignore it and just the human impact that there is and so I mean that's been on top of just all of the standard work it's it's been really prevalent and kind of makes comes back to the purpose of of doing this work uh but on a personal note i've been moving this weekend or this weekend all of the above and am finally in the new spot so i'll take that as a win oh my gosh can you never <laughs> want to move at the september 1st date in i know. the worst time to be moving <laughs> hopefully the last so we'll see yeah, well and Christina did not jam a, a U-Haul under a Starro drive bridge, yeah, right. like, as just to state <laughs> that <sad>. clearly. <laughs> well, I'm glad you finished your moving process. It's very, very painful. So I hope your new place is um, as good as you want it to be. Hopefully a positive thing for you. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining uh, the podcast and doing a two-part series. It's been great to talk all about ESG and sustainability with you. So I appreciate all of your time and I hope we're able to get some more students involved and, and energized to join this sustainability world. This two-part series has been fascinating. Thank you to Matt and Christina for diving into ESG with me. If you're someone exploring career options, I hope this episode gets you excited for all of the possibilities within ESG and corporate sustainability work. You'll find links from the discussion in the show notes, as well as a link back to our website, ebcne.org. Please like, rate, and review the podcast. I'm reading any comments we receive, and I'm really curious to hear who you'd like to have featured on the podcast coming up. We'll see you again in two weeks for an author talk with Dr. Elizabeth Infield of UMass Amherst. We'll discuss her book, Planning for Climate Change, a reader in green infrastructure and sustainable design for resilient cities. Energy Environment Economy is a production of the Environmental Business Council of New England. Thank you to EBC Administrative Coordinator Stephanie Sukar for editing the episode and managing the branding and marketing, and to EBC Fall Intern Hayden Adair for his research and wordsmithing. Music is only forward by Roman Senek Music 2023.